welcome to another episode of Hold Fast, where we have biblical truths for daily battles. My name is Kenny. I'm the host of the podcast, and I am back after a few weeks hiatus from the podcast. Uh, Many of you know that my son was born, our son was born back in November, and we've been obviously adjusting to that, life with a, a newborn and a toddler, but also Christmas and all the holidays around Christmas that happen and just the the craziness of life. Um, This just was something that uh, I put on pause for a few weeks and now, Lord willing, I'll be back each week again for the next little bit. And so I want to, I want to pick up a theme that, that I started back in early November when I launched an episode called TikTok Theology. Um, And not just TikTok theology, but I would say social media and internet theology, where people have this short amount of time, an article or a short video where they share their opinion and it goes viral and everybody latches onto it. And if you missed that episode, I would encourage you to go back because it probably will help shed some light on why I'm dealing with this and how I'm dealing with this subject. But um, I wanted to, to dive into an article that I saw last year sometime, actually. It, it made its rounds. Uh, a few people that, that I know even shared it, and um, I, uh, I wanted to, to move through this article. It's called, pretty simply, 15 Reasons People Are Disillusioned with the Church. And um, it's, it's not necessarily a full-blown article as much as he really does go through these 15 reasons, and he kind of just gives the reason and then moves on to the next one. He doesn't really dig deep into some of these, and you may not think he needs to. Um, I do think on some of them, especially, there's more explanation that's needed. Now, I probably will not get through all 15 of these in one episode of this podcast, so my guess is I'm going to break this up over several podcasts. I probably could do an episode on each of the reasons, but um, that would take a long time. Time and I'm not going to do that. So, so I want to move through some of these. This is kind of a, a reaction podcast, if you will. Uh, you see some people do reaction videos where they watch something or they read something and they react to it. That's kind of what I'm doing. Um, I, I'm not, I'm not spending hours and hours preparing a long, detailed response to some of this. But this, this article, I think, is worthy of a response. It's worthy of us thinking a little bit more deeply about. Um, there are some things that I. I do think are problematic in this article and it was shared and it's an important topic. People are, this, this author is claiming that people are disillusioned by the church. In other words, they're hurt by the church, that they're not coming back to the church. And here's why, here's, here's the reasons why people are not coming back to church. And, um, we're just going to start going through it. So I'm going to start listing the reasons that he gives, and then I'm going to respond to some of them. So number one, he says, we've rejected science unnecessarily. Discoveries about origins, evolution, environmental issues, etc. We are needlessly afraid of what scientists discover that might threaten our status quo. Um, wow. And all these points, there's going to be a lot to unpack. But man, what a blanket statement. We've rejected science unnecessarily. Um, who is doing this and what science are they rejecting? Now, are there some people who call themselves Christians who anytime science says something, they just automatically believe it's evil and wicked and, and conspiracy? Sure, there, there's, a, I guess, a small segment of people that do that. But, but have we rejected science? Or is what, is what we're doing saying, look, when, when science tries to make a claim that clearly goes against the teaching and the truth that we find in Scripture, we're going to believe Scripture over science. Because let's not forget that the practice of science in and of itself is not, ne- is not necessarily always supposed to make definitive statements, right? I mean, the process of science itself is learning and it's presenting a, a thesis, presenting something that you think is true and then trying to find evidence for that fact, right? So to, to, say, to say that the science is settled often is an oxymoron because then you don't really understand the meaning of science, right? 
But, but we're not trying to reject science. Matter of fact, I welcome scientific discoveries. But when science tries to say that they've found something and then they draw conclusions about what they found that clearly contradict scripture, when we can find a conclusion that lines up with scripture based on some of the discoveries they've made, I'm gonna go with what affirms scripture. I'm gonna go with what scripture says over what science says. So, so I'm, not, I'm not rejecting science unnecessarily. Um, but, when, but when science tries to teach things contrary to scripture, yes, I will reject that and I will, will uphold the teachings of scripture. And if people are leaving the church over that, it's because they, they want their sin and they want what their hearts want over what the Bible says. And, and they're looking for any reason that they can to disprove the Bible at that point, um, which proves that they're still in their sin and they need the gospel. They need to be regenerated. So, um, so I think that's, a, that's an unfair statement in many ways. Uh, number two, we're, we've been superstitious, he says. We've been enamored with anything suspected of being dark to the point of seeing tons of things as demonic in a superstitious way. Um, okay, listen. All of us probably have an idea of something when he says that, right? Like, I grew up uh, around a lot of people who thought that Harry Potter was evil, for example. Um, I mean, I knew somebody that when a Harry Potter book came into their home, they tore it up and threw it in the trash, right? Because they didn't just want to throw it away. They wanted to, like, destroy it and get rid of it, okay? So that's, that's like a kind of a maybe a silly example of that. And so, yes, again, this is a blanket statement he's making, and he probably gets that, but but what do, you, what do you mean by we've been superstitious? I mean, we're, I think that, again, what we're trying to do, what the church is trying to do, is we're trying to look at our culture and, and look at what is promoting evil and what, what is demonic and what is something that is of the world that we need to reject in order to, once again, uphold scripture. Um, I, I gotta be honest with you, um, aside from a very small, select view, few people, I don't see this a whole lot like he's making this claim, like people are leaving the church over this? I mean, where, where do we see that happening? I, listen, I'm not saying it's not happening. It has not been my experience. I don't see this as something that's rampant all over the place. Um, and I would say that when we see something that is demonic, when we see something the Bible claims is demonic and evil, yes, we should reject it. When the Bible claims something is dark and evil, we should push it back so that we can shine the light of the gospel. Um, all right, number three, we've embraced Christian nationalism and we believed that the survival of our faith and culture is dependent on the election of a strong man as our protector. We've married to patriotism and faith in an idolatrous fashion. Um, once again, uh, there are people that, that fit this description, absolutely. Uh, I'm not gonna deny that there are some people who, who value politics over religion. There are a lot of people who value politics over religion. And, and I'm, I think that more and more and more, unfortunately, and I think this is a bad thing, People are, people are coming to the church based on that church's political position. They don't care as much about the theology. What they care more about is that person, that church's stance on politics, and they'll choose a church, they'll choose religion even, based on politics. I, I actually uh, was listening to a podcast of a guy who had been doing some research in this area, and research is proving that, that it used to be that people would choose their political party based on their religion and their, their religious beliefs. Now it's kind of the opposite. People are choosing their religious beliefs based on their political affiliation, and I think that is is absolutely a terrible thing. Um, but I also believe that a lot of times this is a false accusation that gets thrown out, that, that we are embracing Christian nationalism. 
because we believe that we need to elect a, a protector or a strong man, as he puts it, as our protector. Um, no, once again, what many Christians are seeking to do is to elect the the party or the person, whatever, however you want to say it, um, that is going to most align with what the Scripture teaches. And yeah, they're going to be passionate about that because if they see the other other candidate as somebody who is evil and promoting anti-Christian values, absolutely Christians can be, to a certain degree, uh, vocal about that. Obviously, in a loving way, and we want to promote um, we want to promote the candidate and the political party that that we believe aligns with Christian values. I'm not necessarily seeing anything wrong with that. Now, do people get too deep into politics and think that politics can sometimes be their savior? Absolutely. Um, and I do think that there are churches that have pushed people away with this kind of mindset. But I also think there are a lot of churches that get this accusation falsely thrown at them just because they're trying to uphold God's standards and God's values. Um, now, fun side note here. Let me let me just break because I'm I've been talking a lot and giving a lot of just information here. Um, I can't vote here in America. I am a Bahamian citizen still, uh, and so I'm not even involved in the voting process, but I watch this happen, not only here in America, I watch the same thing happen in my own country as well, where people will just, they'll go to your throat over politics, um, at times over things that don't matter. But I gotta be honest, more and more and more, it is becoming very clear um, where Christians do need to begin casting their ballots. Um, because you can't, hmm, I wanna be careful in saying this, but I, I, I believe it's worth saying, you cannot separate morality from politics. You can't say it doesn't matter at all who you vote for. I don't think you can say that. Now, you can say who you vote for is not what makes you a Christian or not a Christian. I believe that wholeheartedly. But you cannot say that it does not matter at all who you vote for and who you don't vote for. Um, so this is important, and, and there is a degree where we should talk about how the Bible infiltrates culture and how God's law matters and God's standards matter. Um, so I know that's kind of a tangent, but I do think it relates to what he's saying. Um, I, I think that this, again, is an unfair claim and statement that often is used um, against Christians, and, and it's often unfair. So, um, yeah, there's that on number three. I'm gonna I'm gonna move on because I could talk a lot more about that, but but let's move move along here. Number four. Now, before I read this one, full disclosure, I think, and and I've read this list many times and, and thought about it a lot, and so I don't think I'm forgetting any of them. I really think number four is the one that bothered me the most. Um, even before I read it, I'm going to tell you that, and I'm not telling you that to sway your opinion of what I'm about to read, um, but I'm just kind of setting you up for the fact that there's probably going to be a little bit of a, of a, hopefully a grace-filled rent, if you will, that follows this. So number four, he says this, we've idolized the Bible on the pedestal of literalism. Our understanding of the Bible's authority leaves no room for the, the element, for the, excuse me, let me read that again. Our understanding of the Bible's authority leaves no room for the human element of Scripture's origins. We've told people it's a house of cards. Doubt one part and it all falls apart. Now, I think he was very intentional with how he worded this because if you try to come up against this, you start to sound a little bit like a crazy fundamentalist who just doesn't want to appeal to any kind of logic or reason, right? You, it, he makes you sound like if you reject what he's saying here, you're the person that says, the Bible says it, I believe it, and that settles it, and we're not thinking deeply about these issues. Um, I do believe that there is a form of, 
of wrongly viewing the Bible literally, okay? So even Jesus rebuked the Pharisees and he said, look, you, you search the scriptures because you think it's in them you have life, but the scriptures point to me, right? Because the Pharisees were just all about appearances. They were all about just reading the Bible and making sure they followed the law to a letter and that everybody saw them following the law and they thought that's where life was found. They forgot and they didn't realize that the scriptures were meant to point to the Savior and Jesus, okay? That's wrong and sinful. But to say that people are leaving the church because we hold the Bible in high regard and high authority, because I'm sorry, I know he worded it a little bit differently, but it's hard not to read that in what he's saying. It sounds to me, and if I'm wrong, feel free to call me on this, but I, I don't think I am with what he's trying to communicate. He's trying to say that we place the Bible on such a high pedestal that it makes people uncomfortable. It's making them leave the church because they, they, they don't see us as logical. They, they don't see us as really thinking deeply about these things. And that's quite frankly, an insult to people like myself and other pastors who have spent our lives preaching the word, not just because we, we've just, you know, believed because we've been told that the Bible's true, but because we've studied and we've searched for ourselves and we've seen the evidence and we believe that the Bible is true. We believe it is our final sufficient authority for life and godliness. I don't need anything else. And you know, he says, we don't leave any room for the human element of scripture's origins. Um, what do you mean by that? Let's define that for a second, okay? Because I do believe the Bible was written by human authors, but I believe that it was written, it was written by the Holy Spirit through these human authors. I believe that the Bible is God-breathed, as Paul says, through these human authors. As Peter says, men wrote as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit, right? So yes, there are human origins, if you will, because there are human authors, but ultimately the origin of the Bible is God. Yes, through men, but God wrote the Bible. And yes, if you start to say, well, this part of the Bible is not true and these parts are true, um, I do believe that's a house of cards. Because who's, who's to judge? Who's to say, well, okay, this part's true and this part's not true? How, how do you define that? How do you determine that? And, I, and, I, and I'm not saying that there aren't really genuine people and smart people who try to make the case. I have debates with people like this all the time where people wanna say, well, you know, this part of the Bible, I, I know you think it says that, but that's not really what it says, and you know, over here is really where it's accurate, and then that same person will say that all of the Bible is true. You can't say that all the Bible is true, and you can't really trust the Bible if there are parts of it that are not true, because who determines what's not true, right? Now, that's, that is, to me, that's a house of cards. So, yeah, um, I, I mean, if people are leaving the church over that, then they're gonna leave the church over that because as, as for me and my church, as for the pulpit at Mission Way, we're going to preach the word in season and out of season, when it's popular and when it's not. And I understand that the Bible's coming under attack, not just from the world, but by so-called Christians pretty frequently today. And I think that's gonna cause the demise of a lot of churches, quite frankly. Um, and, and I'll say this, if you're getting people to flock to your church because you're not preaching the Bible, um, you don't really have a church. If you're getting people to flock to your church because you're specifically not preaching the Bible, you don't really have a church. Um, you're, you got a gathering, but it's not a church, in my opinion, um, because in, in God's church, we preach God's word. So um, I will, again, there's a lot more I could say there, but I will end my rant there. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna do one more on this video. Maybe I'll break this into three parts. I'll do five points in each video. So I'll do the fifth and final one for today's. I say, excuse me, I'm saying video. This is a podcast. You'll have to forgive me. I've got a lot going on these days. Uh, number five, <clears throat> he says, 
And this is the one that I actually probably mostly agree on with him. Um, so he goes from number four, the one that I most disagree, and then number five, the one that I mostly agree with him on, actually. So I'll end on somewhat of a positive note, maybe, if you will. He says, we've recreated secular celebrity culture inside the church. We make Sundays and whole movements personality-centric and all about how we are cool and awesome. Absolutely, I think that's one of the biggest cancers in the church today. Um, and now, here's the thing. One thing that I disagree with him on in this, um, I don't think that's why a lot of people are disillusioned with the church, though. Um, I think that's why a lot of people are flocking to the church, because we've made it a show. And we've made it all about a celebrity pastor. I mean, every celebrity pastor I know has a mega church, okay? Right. I'm just, I think, I can't think of a, somebody I would consider a quote unquote celebrity pastor, even though I hate that term. It's an oxymoron. Um, I can't think of one very famous pastor who does not have a big church. So, um, I don't think people are disillusioned with those kind of churches. I think they're flocking to those kind of churches because their sinful hearts are causing them to leave the biblical churches that are holding the Bible in high authority to run to these, these churches that are full of fluff and, and absent of the word and the preaching of the word. So um, chapter, or excuse me, points four and five contradict each other in my mind, right? You're saying people are disillusioned with the church because we're preaching the word and they're disillusioned with the church because of celebrity culture. Um, those are two different kinds of churches most of the time, okay? I'm, I, I'm, not trying to, I'm not trying to draw a hard line here and say that in every circumstance that's true, but most of the time those are two different churches. The celebrity culture churches, the ones that are all about movements and personality driven and they're cool and awesome, many of them, not all of them, many of them don't preach the word. And those are the churches that people are flocking to. So um, as you can tell, uh, I'm, I, take, I take issues with this list. Now, I don't know this guy personally who wrote this list and I could be misunderstanding some of the things that he's saying because he's saying these in really short, sweet statements, but this thing made its rounds and it was shared by a lot of people that I know and um, I just, I think it's dangerous. I think that if we're, if we're grabbing a hold of a list like this and changing our churches based on the list that he's creating, we're gonna end up with some pretty unbiblical churches. Um, and I think that's gonna be a problem. I think it's gonna be detrimental to the church. And we'll go through the other points in probably the next two podcasts. And um, quite frankly, it gets a lot more, um, uh, we get into a lot more hot topics as we move through this list. So uh, hopefully you'll come back. I'm gonna post the link to this article in the show notes of the podcast so you can read it for yourself comment. I mean, give me some feedback. This is, um, I hope this becomes a little bit more of a conversation. What I'm trying to do in this is not to bash this guy. What I'm actually trying to do more than anything is to take something that I believe is flawed in its thinking and, and its approach to the Bible and to show you how to think biblically about something like this, right? So yes, I want to address this list, but I also want to just generally hopefully show you what it looks like to think through an article like this and to think through somebody's blanket statements like this um, that are accusing the church of some of these things. So thanks for listening as always. I hope this is beneficial to you. If it is, let me know. Um, some of you have already reached out and said that. So I appreciate that. Uh, leave a review on iTunes, or wherever you listen to the podcast, I w that helps other people who wouldn't normally see it, uh, see the podcast and that helps spread the word about it. So thanks again. This has been another episode of hold fast. I'll be back next week, Lord willing with another episode.